This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Have you ever heard of a wordsmith? That's someone who is a skilled user of words. I like to think of myself as somewhat of a wordsmith. As my kids were growing up, I would sometimes use an unfamiliar word, and when they asked what it meant or questioned whether or not it really was a word, I would never tell them. I would always have them look it up. Now, in those days, of course, that meant getting the dictionary down off the shelf and literally looking it up. And incidentally, that still happens from time to time, doesn't it, son? Yes, yes. Anyway, English was always one of my favorite and easiest subjects in school. And as a minister, I spend much of my time writing or speaking English. And I've come to realize that English is truly a crazy language. It amazes me that anyone not raised in our culture can ever learn it. For example, there's, there's no egg in eggplant. There's no ham in hamburger. There's not pine or apple in pineapples. English muffins weren't invented in England. Nor did French fries come from France. Sweet meats are candies, while sweet breads, which aren't sweet, are meats. And if we explore some of the paradoxes of the English language, we find that quicksand can work slowly. Boxing rings are square. And a guinea pig, not from Guinea, not a pig. (laughs) By the way, if a vegetarian eats vegetables, what does a humanitarian eat? And if the plural of tooth is teeth, why isn't the plural of booth beef? One goose, two geese. So one moose, two meese? Sometimes I think all the English speakers should be committed to an asylum for the verbally insane. I mean, we drive in a parkway, but we park in a driveway. We play at a recital, we recite at a play. A slim chance and a fat chance, same thing. A wise man and a wise guy, opposites. In America, we worship our work, and we work at our play, and we play at our worship. How can overlook and oversee be opposites, while quite a lot and quite a few are alike? How can the weather be hot as hell one day and cold as hell another day? (laughs) It's apparent that English was invented by people, not computers, and I suppose the language does reflect the creativity of the human race, which of course isn't a race at all. And why when the stars are out, they're visible, when the lights are out, they're invisible? And why is it when I wind up up my watch, I start it, and when I wind up this message, I end it? (laughs) Compliments of an English wordsmith. (laughs) That had nothing to do with anything, but there it is. Once upon a time, there was a man who decided he was dead. No matter how hard they tried, his wife, 
His friends could not change his mind. They could not convince him that he was not dead. So they consulted a pastor. And the pastor decided maybe they could bring him to his senses if they could show him just one fact that contradicted his belief. And so after much thought, the pastor chose to use the simple truth that dead men do not bleed. And so the man's wife bought books and videos and showed him medical reports online. And finally, after days of intense effort, the man admitted, okay, 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 dead men don't bleed. Well, now there's just one thing left to do, right? So the wife and her pastor, they met together with the guy. And while the wife embraced her husband, the pastor took a sharp needle and stuck the man's finger. And, of course, blood squirted out. And the man looked intently at his finger and finally said, well, what do you know? Dead men do bleed. (laughs) You know what? To some people, truth makes no difference at all. They have determined their opinion without the facts, and in the same way, there are people who reject God's directions, not because they don't hear, but because they won't listen. As the old saying goes, there's no one so blind as those who will not see. And I sincerely hope that doesn't apply to any of us. But let the record show. I am a seeker of truth. I love the truth. Just me. Okay. (laughs) Thought surely somebody would say something. Therefore, we're going to go to school today. Oh, how many of you just love school? A few of you. That's good. Well, you're going to learn today. (laughs) We're going to be exercising God's word today, meaning we're going to use God's word extensively. We're going to let the Holy Spirit teach us. And since we're in school today, I encourage you to take notes. Now, you don't have to, but I just encourage you. So let's begin with 1 Kings 18.21, where we find Elijah speaking to the congregation. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. The same thing is repeated, by the way, in Revelation 3, verses 15, where Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. In other words, he's saying, give all or don't give anything. In another place, Jesus lets us know how to have the life that he offers. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do you see? What God wants from you and from me is for us to give our lives to him. Not part of our life, like the Sunday morning part. Not just part. He wants us to give all of our life to him. Jesus said, if you want to lose your life, hold on to it. If you want to find your life, 
Lose it. Give it. Sacrifice it to the Lord. May I tell you something that that really concerns, really bothers me? A real concern of mine is the nonchalant, casual way that so many professing Christians look at and play with and embrace and even defend sin. They hear hear that Jesus is the only way to God. They They hear that that's the only way to eternal life, the only way to be born again, and they say they believe it. They ask him to forgive their sins. They ask him to save them from hell and eternal separation from God. They accept Christ's payment for their debt. But unfortunately, and here's the problem, There's no real change. Even though the Bible clearly says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Most of the Christians I see look just like most of the non-Christians I see. Isn't there supposed to be a difference? I mean, if Jesus was still on the earth, in the flesh, don't you think he would be different than the unsaved people? Of course he would. So if Jesus Christ is living in us, why are so many of us living just like the non-Christians? Why aren't we noticeably, significantly different? And let let me just take a pause right here. To say, if you're hearing my voice, this message is for you. As you know, this is one of the final sermons I will preach as the senior pastor of our church. And I had a really cool sermon to preach. It was one of my favorites. One I've done in the past that was really a hit. It was very engaging. It was even entertaining. You would have loved it. I'm telling you. I would have had fun. You would have had fun. And I've only got a few more weeks here to do this before I'm not the senior pastor. You know my son Alex is going to be stepping into that role. But God wouldn't let me preach that cool sermon. I'm hoping after Pastor Alex becomes a senior pastor that you will implore him <laughs> to let me preach that sermon. <laughs> but anyway, this is the message that God wanted me to preach today. And it's for you, every one of you who are in this room today, but not only you. It's for every person, online or anywhere, anyone anytime who listens to this sermon now, online, or in the future, if you pull it up, and it's for every person who calls himself Christian. It's not for someone else. It's not for some little specific group. No, it's for you. So please, please lean in and get this. So we're going to, I say, exercise ourselves in the scripture a little bit. So buckle up. Here we go. 
our text is in Galatians 5. And here's what it says. So I say, do I have that? Yeah. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful desires are. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in part of our lives. You going to let me get away with that? No, following every, everybody say every, every part of our life. So what do we learn from these verses? What's God telling us? Number one, if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we won't be doing what our sinful nature craves. And then, interestingly enough, we're given a list, just so we don't have to guess what it is that God considers sinful. And number two in this passage, if we continue to gratify the desires of our sinful nature, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is a message to Christians. It's what this is written to, to Christians. Don't try to convince yourself that by praying to accept Jesus Christ guarantees you eternal life. Not unless you're willing to reject this part of God's word. And number three, if we belong to Christ, we follow the Spirit's leading in, as we said, every part of our lives. Now, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ for over 44 years. And I've had the privilege of introducing many people to the Lord. And I've seen some of those people mature, grow strong, while others wash out. And for years, I agonized, trying to understand why some struggled so much more than the others. But then the Lord revealed something to me that helped me understand. And this morning, I want to share with you the revelation that God gave me in hopes that you might experience a freedom that you've never had. If you'd like to hear it, put your hand over your heart as I pray. Lord, open our hearts to receive your truth. May each of our lives be changed as we allow you to work in us. Help me, I pray, to clearly communicate the truth you have for us. Amen. Now, what I'm going to share 
are three kingdom principles that God shared with me years ago at a conference we had right here in our church. Principle number one, communication is the basis of life. Communication is the basis of life. For example, a flower communicates by way of the stem. Without communication, there is no life. Another example, we're all born with a sinful nature. The reason the nature is sinful is because communication between our spirit and God's spirit has been severed. Therefore, we don't have any life. Principle number two, exchange is the process of life. Okay. Let me, let me illustrate. Let's all do an experiment. In a minute, in a second here, I'm going to tell you. When I tell you, what I want you to do is I want you to breathe out all the breath in your lungs. And I'm going to ask you to keep blowing out until your lungs are empty. This is called taking a cleansing breath, right? Some of you know about cleansing breath. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm gonna, when I say so, we're going to take a breath. And then we're going to blow it out and keep blowing. Don't stop blowing. Keep blowing. Ready? Breath in. Blow out. Keep blowing. Don't take a breath. Can you live like that? Hmm? Anybody? Oh, you can take a breath. <laughs> Of course you can't live like that. We must breathe in that which gives life and breathe out that which takes life, right? What is it we breathe in? Oxygen that gives life. What do we breathe out? Carbon dioxide that takes life. Okay. Exchange is the process of life. We exchange the bad stuff for the good stuff. Okay. Principle number three. What's the first one? You remember? Communication is the basis. Exchange is the process. And balance is the key to life. We must continue our breathing by continuing to breathe in each time we breathe out, or we will not continue to have life. Are you with me so far? We need to breathe out. Okay, so now, let's put this in a spiritual light. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Confessing our sins is like Breathing out. We breathe out our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In salvation, we become convicted by the Holy Spirit. And we confess out our sins. And God forgives us. We are forgiven. Amen? Okay. Now let's not forget we're in school this morning. We have three more passages of Scripture. 
big ones. So here we go. First from the 12th chapter of Exodus. Listen, this is a cool story. It was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. Now the 14th chapter of Numbers, the story continues. Then the Lord said, they're already out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness. The Lord said, not one of these people will ever enter that land. That promised land. They've all seen my glorious presence. They've seen my miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints against me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. So tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. They were complaining. So he worried they're all going to die in the wilderness. He said, yep, what you said. You will all drop dead in this wilderness. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. Whoa. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephthah, and Joshua, son of Nun. Now, let's finally read from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about what I just read. Okay? He says this. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters. What does that mean? He's talking to who? Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He continues to write there. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. These things happened as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think, Paul says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Okay. What we just read tells us that even though the people did escape from Egypt, which is a type of the world, 
They escaped. That did not guarantee them a place in Canaan, which is the land of promise. We also just read that God is faithful, and he will not allow the temptation to be more than we can endure. And yet, for some, that doesn't seem to be true. For some, it seems the temptation is more than they can stand. Why? Now listen, I want you to look this way if you're not, and, and listen, while I'm this, uh, here's a truth that can set you free. The truth is this, forgiveness is not enough for eternal life. Simply going to an altar and confessing out your sin does not bring life any more than breathing out the carbon dioxide like we did a little while ago brings life. When I was a teenager, there were several times that I ran crying to the altar and sincerely asked God to forgive my sins. But I was not born again into God's kingdom until over 15 years later. Oh, yes, I was forgiven as a teenager. There's no question about that. 1 John 1, 9 guarantees that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. But there was no life. I was not born again. There was no spiritual rebirth because I had done only half the process. And the other half is found in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, what I missed was this. Not only must my sin be confessed out, I must also confess in Jesus as Lord, Master, Ruler, King. Not only must I breathe out that which takes life, I must also breathe in that which gives life. Life's not given because you got rid of your sin. Life's given when you breathe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a continuation always where we breathe out the world and breathe in Jesus Christ. Every day, how many times over and over and over we breathe that out and get rid of the stuff that takes life and breathe in what it takes. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing for the rest of your life. So let me ask you this question. Have you been struggling in your walk with the Lord? Do you find yourself falling in the same areas of sin over and over and over again. Do you sometimes feel like you're too weak 
to obey the commands of Christ. Well, maybe, just maybe, you too have done only half the process. Could it be that you're trying to live out your Christianity in your own power? And that's why you're having such a struggle? Is it possible that you have never breathed in Jesus as your Lord and submitted to the King of the universe? And if you, listen, if you think that even might be you, if there's even a possibility, don't you think it would be wise to make sure today? Let's all stand with me. Would you do that? I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you speak to each person in this place right now. I pray you will reveal to each of them and me, all of us, speak to us of our true spiritual condition. I'm inviting you, Spirit of God, do your work in us right now. Thank you for your truth. Now, now, now please keep your eyes closed and just listen. We keep our eyes closed just to take away the distractions. Just listen. If you think that you may be one who has unknowingly been trying to live your Christian life without breath, without confessing in Jesus as Lord, then this message has been given specifically for you. God, in his mercy, has seen your struggle. And he loves you. And he's giving you the privilege of breathing in Jesus, and a new life. Do you want him? Do you need him? Will you receive him? If you want to know that you know that you know that you are truly alive spiritually and that you are breathing properly, just raise your hand right now and pray after me. Ready? We're going to pray. You want to know that you know that you know. Lord Jesus, pray it out loud. Please forgive me for ruling my own life. I now surrender to your will. And breathe you in as my master and king. Take me. Use me. I am yours. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a clap offering of praise? Hallelujah. To you, Lord, we pray. We clap this to you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.